Oh no. It's the American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Evan McConnell, joined by Eric Cantor. First, time for some headlines. The Gold Cup. Two match days in Mexico, Costa Rica, Haiti, Panama, and the United States are all through with one match to go. Pretty much all the teams you'd expect well, at this point. One of not like the other. I'm looking for them, and I'm not sure which one. I, I think I hit it somewhere in the Maybe. middle. Uh, U.S. women on the other side in the World Cup playing Spain on Monday in the round of 16 over to Cup of America. Brazil, Venezuela, Colombia, and Chile are through to the next round. And MLS returned to action on Saturday for some strange reason at the same time as the U.S. game against Trinidad. You would think if you're going to have a Gold Cup break, you'd extend it just a little bit longer. Those are our headlines, and now let's move into the always important, always shiny Gold Cup through to match days. Starting off with Group A. Uh, pretty, pretty easy one to pick who would be in first here. And they are, and they're playing well, Mexico. Yeah, I mean, look, we're not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and toot our horn here when we both picked Mexico to roll over this group, and that's what they've done. But I, I guess something has to be said for the quality of the, the teamwork thus far. When you consider Mexico's not only running the group, but they're also running a hospital at the same time uh, with, their, <laughs> with their injuries. Uh, they've just lost Eric Gutierrez, who's going to be out for they say two weeks. Apparently, he could be back for the final. I don't really see the point in bringing him back for a final. When you consider that it's not like they need him, it's not like this Gold Cup is so important to them that they need to have you know every play, every, all hands on deck no matter what. And he's got a pretty big season, I would say, coming up at PSV. So the summertime, the training with the manager and getting integrated with the squad again, I would say, is much more important for his development than playing in a Gold Cup final while potentially not 100. percent Yeah, I mean this. You know, we talk about this, but the Gold Cup is not, especially for a country like Mexico, is not. A massive priority. You can see why with how many players, I mean, are just missing because of quote-unquote injuries. I mean, we'll leave it up to them to, t- to say how real those are. Um, but Mexico obviously has bigger bigger fish to fry than this Gold Cup, and it's kind of just, it's almost like a necessity for them to play. It's like, uh, all right, we have to do this. We're going to, let's go win the Gold Cup with our B roster. Yeah. Uh, I would say that Mexico have looked pretty good. Tata Martino clearly has this team playing uh, good good style thus far. I, I would say that the fan base has been pleased mostly with how they've played, though I will also say that I guess it's easy, like like we said, you know, to beat up on Martinique, Mexico. Uh, I'm sorry, to beat up on Cuba. They've not, they've not yet gotten the chance to beat up on Martinique. They'll get that tonight. But, you know, Mexico for as good as they are and as good as we thought Canada could be in this tournament you know, they were still sort of on that other level that you could just see the difference between Mexico and Canada and I think that's a pretty good sign all things considered because Canada's not a bad team and to still sort of be on a tier above Canada when Canada has this is the best team Canada can possibly put out there while this is let's face it you know at best kind of a B plus team for Mexico I think that's a good sign for Mexico yeah, going forward. I mean, you know, good for Canada that they could keep up in some regard. I mean, I didn't think that they approached the game like they were Martinique playing Mexico, if we're being honest, with the one forward uh, and the five four one. Um, but can can you blame Mexico? Them, like, is it kind? I mean, kind well, of. I, you know what? I I take it back. I do blame. Them. No one expects you to get a result. I, I, I take I it back because I I was I was purposely leaving this part out from um, from my head I guess 
when Canada brought some attacking players on when they, you know, when the gate, when it was time to chase the game, because it was, you know, you had nothing to lose at that point, they looked way better and they didn't quite, it looked way better. And I have to admit, you're right. You're absolutely right. I do blame Canada for not coming out and trying to go after them a little sooner than that. Listen, Canada's got this like, like little brother complex, this like, Oh no, but we're Canada. We can't compete complex and everything except for hockey and curling. And it's like, okay, Canada, look at the other countries in, in this Gold Cup. You can't keep comparing yourself to your to U.S. as your neighbor. Like, oh, we just can't compete. Can't compete. Canada has a team with, I think, better pieces than the U.S. Uh, I would go out uh, on a limb uh, and, come and on, say... Come on, let's not get crazy here. You don't think they have a better forward well, position okay. than the U.S.? <laughs> you don't think Lucas Cavallini, Kyle uh, Lahren... Um, well, I mean, if we're counting Alfonso Davis in that category, but then we also have to count Pulisic, so. Yeah, okay. That Those are, you know, that, not exactly close, but, right, those two good players on the wing. I mean, Jonathan David, like, the, honestly, those are three forwards I think I'd rather have than Giassi's artist. Well, that's, despite the fact he has three goals that's, through two that's games. That's Gold Cup leading scorer, uh, Giassi's artist to you. That's number one. Uh, number two, I... I I think you're going a little, maybe a little too far with the the because I may, the forward position we talked about it in the preview that yeah the Canada's Canadians have a better you know number nine situation right now than the U S do but after that uh, I don't I don't know that there's too many players on the Canada squad that I would want on the U S squad. You don't think you would want Alfonso oh, Davies okay, on the yeah, squad? Alfonso Davies too, but that's different. You don't think you'd want Junior Hoyland no. on the squad for what? If Tim Ream can pl- be a starter well, I, 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 for a releg- for a relegated awful defense Fulham, I think Junior Hoylett, a starting winger for Cardiff, who almost didn't get relegated, is somewhere in the conversation of being on the team. There is one, and uh, Jonathan Osorio. Jonathan Osorio might you actually think, be useful because his he play he can play so many different positions, and I think that would help in. Yeah, Burhalter. he's like the Canadian Sebastian. Like Lecher. that would help in Burhalter's system. So I take it back. I guess there's more than one. Sam Piet would give competition to Bradley and Will Trapp. Not saying he's. Better I wouldn't than say them. he does because mainly as I continue to see Bradley out there, it has com- it has become very clear to me that there is no competing with that man uh, in Burhalter's eyes. And I think Scott Arfield is a quality midfielder. And if you look at the U.S. pool of midfielders, they've gotten to the point where they can only play two at this point because Tyler Adams isn't in. It's well, like, yeah, hang, well, Bradley hang on a second. That's Tyler all we Adams can do. isn't a midfielder. What are you talking about? He's clearly listed as defender. Uh, silly me. He's a right back. How could I forget? The one position he doesn't Inverted play for this club. Inverted fullback. It's a great position. Uh, I think Mark Anthony Kay would have been a midfielder who probably makes the lineup given how few central midfielders we have. And then their defense is garbage. I'm going to go out and say that. I'm just going to put it out there. Um, so just looking at that game, yeah, I think Canada... The problem is they don't have any def- defenders. They have like three defenders on the roster. Uh, so I would have, yeah, I would have gone out. I would have said, okay, listen, nobody expects us to get points here. Why are we trying for a 1-1 or a 0-0? Let's go out and put the game to them. If we lose, people can at least say, oh, look, Canada's looking better. They gave Mexico a challenge. Yeah. Ah, look, I think, look, the, the, the big takeaway for Canada shouldn't be that game against Mexico is a little disappointing to see them kind of like, lose a bit of identity to try to compete against Mexico when you kind of know that you kind of know, even if you play, f- you know, five at the back and four in the midfield, you know that sooner or later it's the goal's going to come. If you're, 
if you're defending for your life against the team that is is just a, a step above you. So why not try to take the game to them when you know Mexico's defense isn't great? It certainly hasn't been amazing. And we saw when Canada started to take the game to them, they really had they really opened up some space there and created some chances for themselves. So I did end up, I guess, a bit disappointed that Canada didn't go for it. But in the end, it's also going to give Canada a spot in the next round. Because I there's no way they lose to Cuba tonight. So, Well, yeah. So, we we say that, but I also I will say I, that. Look, if um, Canada if Canada can't beat Cuba, then we, th- this whole discussion is meaningless because they clearly aren't ready to compete. You see my point? Right. Yeah. No, I I do yeah. see your point. But Canada, I think, should be in a position where it's fourth best in the confederation. Maybe moving into third in the near in the future. Maybe I'm getting a bit ahead of myself here. Mexico, far and away the best. I think Mexico if they were allowed, would be much more happy to be playing in the Copa America where there would be, you know, well, somewhere in the middle to top tier you, there. I mean, let's be honest. I think that they're better than Venezuela, <laughs> even though they've just uh, qualified. Let me, we, can, we can take that later because there is, a, there is a point to be made about that, specifically the participation in the Copa America. But let's, let's save that for later when we're done with this because we'll have, we'll have a little bit of time at the end for that. So we'll come back to the idea of these teams playing in that tournament because there's something very important to mention about that that I think that has gone a bit lost recently because there hasn't been as many details about the next year because there's going to be a Copa America next year and I feel like it's kind of been forgotten because there's just so much going on right now that there's no time to think about next summer already. So I think to close the book on this group, Mexico, again, it's like you would have expected. It's Canada taking the opportunity, seizing the moment. It's like I said, you couldn't go into the game against Mexico needing points. They should get the job done against Cuba tonight, and they'll be through the next round. And that's all you could have asked for is with Canada is a chance to play in a knockout stage game at the Gold Cup. We'll see who they get, right, because you'll most likely be the runner-up. So yeah, they'll be the runner unless Mexico blows well, a big that time. That would be something. They'll 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 probably be playing Costa Rica, which there you go. At the current status, is probably the second. It's a, it's a best great chance. team in the, in the confederation. It's, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's all you could have asked and, for if you were Canada to come into this tournament and have a knockout game against a team like Costa Rica for a chance to move on to the final four. And this is a Costa Rica team that likes to play this like a five four one or a four five one. So now you're going to go out playing a defensive Costa Rica team. How are they going to approach that? Are they going to hit them defense at the same time and try to counter? Be interesting. Um, in my mind, I look at Group A, and just to sum it up, I think you have the most obvious Pot A, Pot two, pot 1, Pot 2, Pot 3, Pot 4 team. Perhaps in the tournament, maybe Group D is pretty close. Mexico, far and away, a Pot 1 team. Canada, 2, still not an elite in the Confederation yet. Martinique, I mean, the fact that this is Pot 3 is kind of... a shows you where the confederation is and then cuba like you know whoever's gonna be a pot four team is mostly just gonna get run all over uh so it's ending pretty much exactly how we expected in that order uh, after martinique beat cuba yeah. last time around on to group b as we mentioned costa rica uh the favorites for that group are in first but tied with the unlikely team who as we mentioned earlier has already qualified haiti who has six points as well yeah so haiti uh, how about that, huh? Huh? Right? I mean, I think we mentioned beforehand, Haiti does not have a terrible lineup. Like, you look at that and you're like, oh, this a couple MLS guys, a couple USL guys. Not bad. Maybe if Haiti was in, you know, a group group C, maybe they would have found it a little bit harder. But, they, I mean, they were given a pot two status. 
uh, but they have definitely not been in recent memory uh, at this level in the Confederation. So it's cool to see teams improving like they have. Yeah, it's been. I mean, look, it's just I, they they haven't embarrassed themselves. They've gone out and they've played a certain way. And they've gotten the results that they needed to get. Look, I get that the Bermuda by far is no team that you need to be like measuring yourself against, even if you are Haiti, right? But the reality is like that's the kind of tier that you would associate them with normally. And you know they win their game against Bermuda. Right. They come up against a Nicaragua team that uh, you know you, you I, I would think you would expect. I would think that if you did a blind like a blind experiment, and you walked around and you asked people if you thought Nicaragua was any good at soccer, they probably would think that they would be. And they just really aren't. No, they're More not. A baseball they've been, country? I mean, they, I'm given to understand baseball and boxing. They've been better they have, in the past. They have, and so. But yeah, they they fall into that category of Central American With countries Belize and um, El Salvador, I guess. Yeah. Belize is a little bit smaller. El Salvador. I was thinking more like a Guatemala, well, Guatemala, Panama, Honduras. To be fair to Guatemala, you would think would be better. To be fair to Guatemala, who came off like you, you want to like think of a blueprint for a possible like worst case scenario for the likes of like Panama and Costa Rica. It's Guatemala because Guatemala used to be like just as good like as okay, not as good as Costa Rica was at their t- at their peak, but like they were constantly a thorn in the side of Mexico in the US because you know it's hard to play there just like it is to play in the rest of Central America. And they traveled well. They, their style of play was, you know, very very rigid. And it, they've fallen on hard times. So if you if you've ever thought of like well what happens after the golden generation, that's could be very well what it is is a Guatemalan situation. Now, Guatemala have also shot themselves in the foot. They've been sanctioned by FIFA a couple of times. They got kicked out of uh, of qualifying, if I remember correctly, for a little while. They had to get reinstated by FIFA very recently. So they've not been able to play too many competitive matches either. So at a time where they need competitive matches, they've been unable to play any. Yeah, so ugly things going on in Guatemala, why they've kind of fallen off. So we have seen, though, uh, a, kind of a, a rise in some of these Caribbean nations' uh, competitiveness. So Haiti is a perfect example. Jamaica is another one. Um, I think uh, Trinidad and Tobago should kind of flex their muscle in the last qualifying. So Haiti and Costa Rica are through. Nicaragua and Bermuda. And let's be honest, Bermuda, again, that's a pot four team. You're not going to expect much from them. They're both out. But Bermuda did give up a good battle against Haiti, scoring the first, uh, though Haiti rallied back to score two to beat Bermuda, and Costa Rica play Haiti next time around. Uh, Chance for Haiti. Imagine the, winning and getting to avoid the U.S. Well, we presume the U.S. I, sh- I shouldn't even presume that, should I? Haiti? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's the wrong group. Yeah, I'm sorry. The chance to avoid Mexico. They'll play, me- they'll yeah. play Mexico. Oh, well, okay, well, a chance to avoid Mexico. Yes, I very much, uh, very much an opportunity for Haiti to try to stay in this tournament for a little bit longer. So if Haiti pulls off the surprise on Costa Rica, they could play Canada. then they could be playing Canada and it'd be Costa Rica, Mexico. Uh, and I think that would be more interesting for that round, maybe cause it to be less interesting for the semifinal. Well, Let's move on yeah, to group. It happened Ooh. before. Uh, it was in 2015 that, the U- that uh, Mexico played Costa Rica in the quarterfinal. Yeah, it was because mm-hmm. uh, they got yeah. Costa Rica kind of got robbed by the referees. Not as bad as Panama ended up getting robbed the next game, by the way. Uh, the referees... Yeah, they re- they really wanted Mexico yeah, in the final. Yeah, that was pretty bad. That was that was pretty bad. That second game. The first one, I have to admit, I, yeah, it could have gone either way. But the second one, oof. 
That was that, that was tough to watch as someone Canada. who was re- at the time was really rooting for Mexico to go down <laughs> in those games. <laughs> well, let's say we'll, we'll move on to Group C because we've uh, we've spent more time talking about Guatemala than any of these teams in this group. Uh, we have the powerhouse of Honduras ending up in dead last right now, and they Imagine look that. awful. Now. I have yeah. to say that I think the coach is going to have to go. I, I can't imagine him. Stay. They say his contract is through the next World Cup. Uh, P ain't making it there. Uh, let's just be honest with ourselves. <sighs> I mean, tail is all this time. Probably not. I mean, they they didn't qualify for the last World Cup. They got the fourth spot where they got to do a playoff, uh, and they lost. Listen, I can see why this is a pot one team. I think Jamaica deserves. I mean, I'm sure there's a mathematical way they decided it. I think Jamaica could have deserved it, given how their last two Gold Cups have went. Honduras, I would put as kind of that next group behind Mexico, Costa Rica, United States. They have some quality players, but again, this is not a team that I think is consistent in any way, and we're seeing that uh, in a lot of ways in this tournament. And, I mean, they're out. It's done for Honduras. It's it is done, and you know it's just been it, it, watching. I've watched too many. I have to admit it. I, I've seen too many Gold Cup games uh, this this year because you know normally normally I I just I don't even bother like with the with the earlier games of the day like the ones that don't feature teams that like. But this year because of things I've had to like watch them and I it's just like I can't believe how bad Honduras is. It's it's actually genuinely like fascinating to me. That they've that that this team that I always associate with it's never it's never going to be great for Honduras, but it's probably never going to be that bad either because they produce enough talent that you would think that they're just going to constantly be a thorn in the side of teams, and yet I mean this is just bad. I, I work with a with a guy from Honduras, and before the Gold Cup started, he told me that he he didn't expect to do anything in this tournament and that he would not be surprised if they didn't make it out of the group. So uh, apparently. Talk about, Talk about a guy with some way. foresight. He he was very realistic about his team's chances. I told him, "Oh come on, you know it's the group of life." You're telling me Honduras can't beat Curacao? Apparently, the answer is yes. Yeah, the answer is yes. Apparently, uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, kudos to Curacao for showing up and f- f- taking the game to Honduras when Honduras had no interest. Well, taking the game, I guess, is a bit nice way to put it. Honduras had 13 shots on goal that the goalie had to save. Some of which were pretty good chances. And they also had a goal taken away from them for offside. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the goalkeeper did have a great game. And I know you're going to love his, his name, name. Eloy Room, ladies and gentlemen. Our new lord and savior, Eloy Room. Welcome to the name Hall of Fame on the American Soccer Show. Uh, Curacao's just, just packed with him. Uh, and uh, we've spoken of pure pot four teams in this tournament Curacao is not one that I would associate with that. Bermuda, Cuba, not really much going on. Curacao, they got a they had a former Premier League player on that team, Leandro <laughs> Bacuna. You, you know what? Bacuna actually really uh, he caught the attention of a few of us because his name immediate I didn't like it didn't register with me right away. I'm like, where have I heard that before? And Bacuna, by the way, means bandage in Spanish. I feel like I said that last week, but. So like just like his name was already funny enough, and then someone goes, he used to play for so and so in the Premier League, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. He transferred into uh, it was um, Huddersfield partway through the year this year, I believe, or was that his brother? Uh, it might be his brother. 
That was his yeah. brother. He played formerly for Aston Villa. Uh, that also on this team is former Everton defender Cuco Martina. Uh, so, I mean, like I think we mentioned in the preview, Curacao is not a pushover by any means. Eloy Room also playing uh, in Europe. <laughs> Third He's string not. goalie in Europe, but nonetheless playing in Europe. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Goalkeepers Union, got to say hey, by my hey, guy. If, any, if they're the only player in training, that's the only third string player that's getting any kind of training whatsoever is the goalkeeper, though. Keep that in mind. The only- yeah, goalkeepers. I mean, but you're never playing. You could be a third string uh, winger and you could be getting true. Time you might get a cup and ash, you know, 10 minutes here. 10, you're never getting in as the third string. That's true. That's true. It goes both ways. Third string keeper, you're never going to But, but time. like you said, if you're uh, the third string winger, you're also almost constantly on the you know on the second team in training, so to speak. So you're never really getting to link up with your star striker. Instead, you're playing with correct. the under nineteen striker who hasn't quite figured out what a hold up play actually means. And who also is probably favored to kind of jump you in the rotation at some point, given his age. Uh, moving on to other teams in this group, we know Honduras is out. The rest of the teams are still in the. All still in the ring. Uh, Jamaica and El Salvador currently leading the group. Uh, and then with four points. And Curacao with three with that win against Honduras. So, like we mentioned, still all to play. Jamaica plays Curacao. Uh, winner going through. A tie would do it for Jamaica. And El Salvador plays Honduras, who has a chance to play spoiler. Uh, would be interesting. I don't think... Um, I think Curacao needs a win. Yeah, so if, unless unless El Salvador gets crushed, uh, well, El Curacao could get away with a draw and go. Well, through. so for those of you unfamiliar with Central America, uh, El Salvador and Honduras, like the uh, the Brazil Argentina of Central America, take that for what it's worth. Yeah, they don't like them. I mean, if if you were watching, I, I just look at Eloy Room's highlights against Honduras because the best part is afterwards. He celebrates with the El Salvador fans, <laughs> not the the ten Curacao, ten Curacao fans, fans <laughs> who are who are actually not fans. They were representative of the federation up in their booth. Uh, so he's with the El Salvador fans, who are just absolutely loving it more than he is. I think they're going bananas. They're, he's like their nor- new lord and savior. So Honduras, also a team known for their uh, dare we say dirty play, that could be uh, a rough it's one. It's going to be very interesting to see. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I would like to see Curacao go. Uh, Jamaica and Curacao, you know, two Caribbean islands. Jamaica, obviously, because I picked them to be my dark horse, and they looked pretty good against Honduras. But now that we know Honduras is just kind of trash, it's a little less impressive. And uh, but uh, we need to talk about something. That game between Jamaica and El Salvador. I genuinely think that th- that game sent sent the sport back ten years, maybe. I I have <laughs> never seen a worse. Well, I shouldn't even say that because I'm sure I have, but. That was one of the worst zero zero games I've ever seen. That's the prototypical soccer's so boring. It always ends zero. That that game, oh my goodness! I think each goalie had one save. If I may, can I compare this to another you sport? May. It's like a boxing match where both players, both players. players, both fighters are circling around each other, not throwing any That's punches. That's basically what it was. I, each guy attempted. Ding, each ding, guy ding. attempted one combination the entire fight. That's basically what happened here. I. I was I was disgusted. I It's it's like in a fighting video game with both players just put their controller down and the two guys are hopping on the TV and nothing's gonna open happening. There we go. I'm last gonna open up the, no, hang on. I'm going to open up the curtain just a little bit for people to understand how bad this was. I what I do 
what we do <laughs> what we do at work is we we make highlights of these things because people need to know what happened right and yeah well so in things like this because of rights like rights things like in central and latin america the rights aren't it's not it's, i can't just take like the fox sports feed and like cut that up i have to like I, somebody has to send us this uh, i think it's sky sports yeah sky sports in central america has the rights to this tournament except for mexico games so they have to send us like the feed the actual feed yeah and because sky sports is like really like tight about you having to use their feed with their logo blah 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 Mexico, for whatever reason, could not send this to us because uh, it, transmission issues, whatever. They told us they'd cut the highlight for us and they'd send it to us. That was the worst one minute and five seconds of my entire life was watching that when it came in. Let me guess the first 15 seconds were like the kind of setting the mood, the national five seconds of the national anthem, no, shaking hands with the captains. That would have been better. 30 seconds were Emmett, them like kind of clapping I to the fans. I swear it would have been better. What you've, what you've just described to me would have been a better use of a minute and five seconds. I, and the reason I remember a minute and five is because when I saw it, I opened it, I said, I can't believe this is... I said, this, there's no way. This is some kind of joke. The last 30 seconds is like a guy standing still. Like there's, there's no way that they've actually sent me a minute and five seconds from this game. And sure enough, it's like it opens with like two fan shots back to back of each team. And then... It's the first play that you see is a bad cross from Jamaica. Like, the, it's just a cross into the box <laughs> that doesn't touch anyone, and it goes out of bounds. And what that, a play. That was the first thing I saw, and I was, I was, I almost fell out of my chair. That is uh, a minute and five seconds you can No, it's something I will never get back. So just to wrap it up in a bow. Lost to the world. The highlight lasted a minute and five seconds. We managed to cut it down to 40. I I say managed. It's more like, it's more like we were, I, it was embarrassing that that, some of that got on air. But I mean, that's how it is that, you know, they wanted something. So they got it. Something something. had to be shown. So that, that's the kind of day I had with that game. I, it set the sport back 10 years at least. That was a, probably a bigger waste of time than our failed attempts to record the show and we realized there's some hardware difficulties. Yes, yes, you're right. Which we'll skip over and jump right into Group D. USA. How about that? Is that is this the most impressive 10 goal difference you've ever seen? This is this may be the least impressive and I and the more I say that to myself, the more I realize how absurd that might sound. And uh, it sounds absurd. Let's just be honest. Like to say that a team through two games has scored ten goals and given up exactly zero. That's something. That is something. We have to. I will say that is something. Given up zero. I will counter with the U.S. women. One game into the Women's World Cup had a plus thirteen <laughs> yeah, goal difference. I- that one is just about as. Uh, as yeah, I mean, but that's like even that. Like you have to say, like they, they were playing against Thailand. You, you know, if you watch the game, you could see that they were just helpless. The game was only three nothing at halftime. It was only <laughs> so, the game was over at halftime. Yeah, the game, was, was, the game was only over at half. The game was over before the ball was kicked. I mean, let's just be honest with ourselves. But, but that's the point. Like, it, it's just like it's so different to compare the two. But yet. I find myself thinking, like, but how impressive is it actually that the U.S. is able to beat Guyana and Trinidad and Tobago by a score of 10 nothing? And let's not forget, if you actually watched, and I keep saying that, but, like, if you watched Trinidad and Tobago versus the U.S. yesterday, you'd know that at one nothing, Trinidad and Tobago had a few chances. And there was one in particular where the guy was one-on-one with Stefan and put it off the side of the net. 
if that goes in, I am convinced the U.S. would have folded like a chair. Yeah, there were a couple. Uh, the Trinidad did not look useful. I mean, first 15, the U.S. was good, controlled the game. Next 15, 20 minutes, they really struggled to get into the final third. And the uh, Stu Holden and John Strong, John Strong kept bringing up like, oh, is like the U.S. isn't controlling this game at all right now. And I think Stu was like, oh, yeah, well, you got to keep in mind the flows of the game. Sometimes one team kind of gets control, other times others. And it was like, well, I mean, if you're a good team, you really limit that. And Trinidad was, every time they got the ball for that 20-minute stretch after the first 15 minutes was really threatening the goal. I mean, they there was one free kick from like 40 yards that was like literally half a foot from being the goal of the tournament. <laughs> so that, uh, I tell you what, I that... You know, I, I'm a I'm a true red, white, and blue when the U.S. are playing. But that goes in, and I probably would have celebrated it because it would have been so amazing. Uh, that Alvin Jones might have the best delivery <laughs> in in the Gold Cup. Every time he struck a ball, except for once. One, he did hit one cross that went behind for a goal kick. Pretty much every time he struck the ball, it was a rocket or it was a perfectly placed cross. Uh, that was impressive for me. Anyway, yeah, 10, not really. I mean, listen, at least we can say, okay, U.S., you're on track. There wasn't much the U.S. could have done in those two games where we say, yay, yay, time to celebrate. Yeah, I mean, right? let's be honest. If they would have beaten Guyana 13 nothing, we would be sitting here saying the exact same thing we said about the U.S. women beating Thailand as well. Guys, it's Guyana. Like, you know, there's some there's some cashiers on that team. Like, Yeah, take, take it easy, guys. While I get where you're coming from with that, I don't think there are any actual cashiers on Guyana. If you do happen to look that up, <laughs> we do need to keep our uh, keep our trustworthiness on this show. But yeah, these two games, people talking, oh, Re- Trinidad, they did beat us, they did beat us. Yeah, but we beat Trinidad. What was it like four nothing in the in the qualifying yeah, at in home? The World yeah. Cup at home. Look, let's be honest, beating Trinidad. It was it was funny to stand around all day and telling people revenge, revenge. But re- reality is often disappointing for you folks. And reality is, the U.S. not only should be beating Trinidad, there's no reason that we should be having to have a conversation about needing revenge. That should have never happened in the first place. I think we should just forget it's about probably, that game. No more revenge. They're just a, they're a regular it's time team to move now, on. like everyone it, else. Yeah, it is officially time now that we've buried the hatchet, so to speak, and after burying Trinidad in the desert there in uh, Cleveland, it's probably. And yes, I am talking about that big desert in Cleveland. If you haven't seen it, look it up. It's massive. Uh, yeah, uh, you're right. It's time to move on. Uh, so I think no matter how we look at this, what the U.S. done, we'd be in the same kind of position. It's either, wow, disappointment, you didn't beat Trinidad and Tobago and Guyana, or, okay, yeah, whatever, you beat Trinidad, Tobago, and Guyana. The, the one thing is like, okay, they're doing well. We can't take that away from them. They did well, but you still need to say, okay, but what can you do for us at a higher level? The shutouts were good. Guyana had one good opportunity if that goes in. Trinidad had two or three if those go in. Yeah, it's a completely different game. Yeah, that would have been something. I almost kind of want to see that alternate reality where that ball goes in because I am convinced the U.S. folds like a chair. I I, want to see it, but I don't don't want to live it either. Can you imagine? Right? I I can, and I don't want to see it. So the U.S. does take on Panama, both teams with six points. Both teams have taken care of the minnows. Guyana, again, I've talked about those pot four teams, is a real pot four team. Yeah, a real pot four team, though. Round of applause. CONCACAF's best South American country. Yeah, best South American country in CONCACAF, in what we consider North and Central America. 
so the U.S. takes on Panama, and the discussion has kind of moved to, do we try to mop the floor with them, or is it, all right, let's, we're through, we can play a little bit easier, we can play a, a second team. I mean, either way, you're playing either Jamaica, El Salvador, or Curacao in the next round. It In the next two rounds, really, it shouldn't really matter. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think that anybody's taking this game lightly. This is a chance for Panama. No. You know, they, they came into this tournament very much convinced that they have a chance to do something special in this tournament. And so, what better way, even if, you know, look, if it ends up you beat the U.S. here and then you get knocked out in the next round, or you have a choice of losing to the U.S. and then going to the semifinals getting eliminated there by Mexico or the U.S., like, yeah. U.S. Like, does it, you know, what, I'd rather beat the U.S. at that point. Um, but maybe that's just me, so... Well, yeah, listen, I don't think you take any games lightly, even in, the, like, the whole, oh, you're through situation, oh, but what about yellow cards? Ah. You know what, U.S., win, win this game, take a yellow card, let's assume Jamaica finishes first, take your yellow card to USA, and you can sit uh, Weston McKenney against El Salvador Curacao. You'll take that, and you'll and go take Panama to the cleaners. <laughs> wow, that would be interesting. I mean, listen, last time they played in Florida, True. in the World Cup qualifying, they won 4 nothing, with, like, all of their hopes of qualifying on the line. True. True. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. With all the pressure on. And listen, Panama is, interestingly enough, is a, so they're pot two. I, could, I would say you could probably interchange them with Honduras as that pot A in Group C. Um, you know, they did make the World Cup for the first time last time around, uh, with that famous Roman Torres goal that now has a statue in Panama. Amazingly, Roman Torres, a man who should be back up for Seattle Sounders, has a, has a statue to him. So, good for him. Uh, we could beat a dead horse here, but I do think Panama will probably be one of the U.S.'s toughest games until the final. Yeah, this is definitely going to be a good... This this is the only game in the group stage that we're going to be able to take anything away from. If the U.S. mops the floor with Panama, it's going to mean a lot more to me than any of the other two games so far. Then we can start saying, okay, America's now we're seeing what has been building. Yeah, and I mean, listen, when we look at the games against Jamaica and Venezuela that they lost, people kind of bring up, oh, these are not strong teams. Well, you know what? In the Gold Cup, those, are both, those would both be strong teams. Jamaica is making the finals the last two years, and Venezuela would probably be second to, to Mexico. Can you? What a world, huh? What a world that... I mean, listen, Venezuela is right right around the corner from Guyana. It's not too far away from possibly being a thing. Uh, so, again, we could go dead horse here. This is a tough game. Uh, Panama, Jamaica, Canada, Honduras, kind of all in that kind of second-tier category. Can't be taken lightly, but let's be, let's be honest. Yeah, we'll take something from this game, but until the U.S. does it against a real opponent, like a Mexico, like a Venezuela... Pessimism will run rampant. Agreed. So, uh, that brings us to the end of the Gold Cup, perhaps a little bit mercifully in some sense. Though, I, I do think it'll get better as the knockout stages go on, but th there is something I wanted to talk to you about. As we Let's move sure. on into this other summer competitions category that we've lined up for today's show. Can we talk about the fact that y you talked about being very entertained by this Gold Cup. I have to be honest with you, this Gold Cup and this Copa America... Have they've been a chore to watch in some cases? Let me backtrack that. It's not that I've been very entertained by those competitions. It's that there's so many competitions 
that you can't help but be kind of entertained. Okay. If you're if you're saying, oh, this Copa America game, Brazil's up five nothing on Peru. Why am I watching this? Oh, can I interest you in Italy versus Belgium in the U twenty one championships? There's always something going on. Oh, could I interest you in the Norway Australia game? You may be happening to watch the wrong game at a certain time, but I think at that time, there's another great game going on. And I will put this out there: I am not a proponent of international games being exciting. I think club competitions are better, the play is better, the game is more exciting. International, yeah, you get to playing for pride with your country type stuff. But generally, it's a little bit more boring of a game. There, I've said my piece. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, no, we've, we've talked about it before that you're not as big a fan of the international game as a lot of other people are. But I just, I have to say this because, like, I, I've been thinking about it so much. Like, why, why there have been games in the Copa America that have just been, like, I can't believe how bad they are. And they're not even, like, it's not Qatar versus uh, Japan, right? Like, two outsiders having a game that you're like, why are they, why is this a thing? It's like they're Brazil, Venezuela, being unentertaining. Like I don't know. I've been like amazed how this could happen. So I, I wanted to talk a little bit about why I think that this is the case. Starting with the Gold Cup, I think it's kind of an easy one. The Gold Cup expanding to sixteen teams. I think it's kind of been like people may have forgotten that it didn't always have sixteen teams because the Gold Cup is such an indifferent right. uh, competition that you just sort of like, oh yeah, sixteen. It's always been sixteen. Like no, it was twelve before. And I don't think adding these four teams has helped anything. I am usually not somebody that complains about adding more teams. The World Cup being the exception. The World Cup going to 48 is absurd. But, like, they expanded the Euro to 24. And I thought, oh, there's 24 good countries in Europe. Why not? Like, this? Oh, man. We got to do something about this. Well, let's let's look at it. The, the four teams that would essentially be added to this are Cuba, Bermuda, Curacao, Guyana. Not exactly going to be making the competition better. Uh, so, so that's another thing I wanted to bring up was that I I had that same thought was which four teams would get chopped off, and if you keep this now things change because if you say there's only twelve spots and well actually there weren't even twelve spots uh, the six teams from the hex in the last qualifying cycle got it automatically so there were only really ten spots so let's say that they kept this exact same qualifying uh, process but you take out the extra four spots. So now there's only now there's only six spots available for teams not outside the hex, right? So that mm-hmm. changes things because now there's less spots. That means there's more uh, importance on you getting results. But they used the CONCACAF Nations League qualifying as like the, the qualifying for this tournament too. The four teams that would have missed out on this thing are El Salvador, Nicaragua, Jamaica, and Guyana. That's who would have missed out yeah, on this that would thing. have that would have been significantly less entertaining. And that's might be why they extended it. Maybe they're like, ooh, we gotta have these <laughs> teams might not make it. We gotta throw them Jamaica in. We gotta throw them in. Was close to not making this thing. Now again, things changed because, you know, you could say, well, Jamaica didn't take it that seriously because they thought, okay, there's ten places available in this nation's league qualifying. We're bound to get one by just playing nothing but cashiers and uh uh, weld welders, Other yeah, cashiers. welders on the island. We'll we'll get it anyway. So uh, you know, like that's that's totally possible. But I just wanted to throw that out there. Okay, no, I'm with you on that. Uh, that is definitely part of the case uh, for the Gold Cup. You cannot debate that the competition is not as high. And I mean, let's be honest. For the most part, I think group stage is 
I don't know that for the most part, entirely the group stage is less entertaining than the oh, knockout stage. Oh boy, has it not been? Is, is that a hot take? I don't know why I, I said for the most part. That's that, that is, is that, that is, is a fact. absolutely a fact. And at this point, I just I don't know. I've been I've been kind of disappointed. <laughs> Maybe it's because I've watched too many. Like I said, I didn't used to watch this many games. Right. Exactly. You can you can mostly skip over them. You can maybe just, watch just watch Mexico the highlight unless it's Jamaica versus El Salvador. Do not even watch that highlight. Just don't do it to yourself. That's not don't. even a highlight. Ugh. So <laughs> we can sum up the Gold Cup that way. And by the end of the summer, you'll look back on it, and it, most of what you'll remember will be the knockout stage because those will be the more memorable games. Very true. I think the Copa America will be that way in one regard, in another. Well, in. A- if Argentina was, doesn't that's qualify, exactly you where look I was back going to the group that. stage and was, say, "If Argentina don't qualify, and, that's," and that's the yeah, and that's kind of the other point that I want to kind of go to and supplement with you is you look at some of the teams that are bound to go through at this point, not bound, but you know Likely. on the fringe. One has Venezuela played defensively, said, "Okay, Brazil, I'll, we'll draw you. Okay, Peru, we'll take the draw. We'll play defensively, maybe set yeah." Uh, Maybe let Salomon Rondon hold the ball up a little bit and send someone up with him. But it's let's go play for a draw. Another one is Paraguay, which is the same thing, but with Miguel Almiron. Say, so, yeah, we'll see if he can outrun some people, and we'll take a draw. And they have two draws already. So you have these teams who are like in a position to go through who are just playing for a draw, except when they're playing Bolivia. Yeah, I mean, South American, like, the sport in South America is often touted as, like, the the tough and rough and real thrilling action-packed alternative to the European game. It's you know, more tactical, a little more... It's a, Let's face it, it's a little more bland in the sense that things these days are nowhere near as out of control as they are in South America at times. But yeah. the reality is, like, those rough and tough games, well, they've taken it to another level during this competition. And so, uh, the quality will surely go up during the knockout stages. I'm sure we'll get some great games. And we've had good games in the go- in the group stage, too. It's not like the Gold Cup that has yet to really have any good games in the, in the group stage. Just a lot of blowouts are just awful. It's Yeah, there's really not been many ones that you would say were fantastic matches. Right. So th- that is kind of where I point to it. Uh, Argentina being the other one kind of being useless up to this point. Uh, and then the two teams who've been mostly defensive. We could spend an entire eternity talking about what what on earth has happened to Argentina. But I just I want to leave it at this. I want to ask you one question. If Argentina joined the Gold Cup this year and just replaced Guyana, what do you think? <laughs> I think Argentina mops. <laughs> okay. You're, you're... I mean, okay. <laughs> they... they Lost to Colombia. Right. Colombia is a very strong team, uh, and it kind of took till the end of the game. Colombia was kind of playing counterattacking. Okay, whatever. And then they drew with Paraguay, who, like what Venezuela did to Brazil, was we're just going to sit back. And I don't know if you saw it, but if you if you you yeah. did see it, the, ga- oh, the game. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it. I don't know if you saw this, but the. Um, Someone posted a picture of Argentina's tactical setup, and all no was known in the midfield. It was yeah. A circle. Messi has Messi and Di Maria have to like go pick up the ball from the defense and like. But like the entire midfield was emptied, and the guy drew a line from each player, and it was just a U shape. Everyone was just around, either in the back line or on the wing, and it's like this is the tactics right now of Argentina. 
And it honestly, that hit a real nerve with me. Because I've always known that Argentina's midfield has been pretty bad. But that was like, oh, man, they don't even have any midfield. And they're, they're like in the last 10 minutes of the game. It's not that bad. It, no one's midfield is bad enough to have it like that. Not at the professional international no level. There's no one. Not Gu- Guyana doesn't have that much space between. Oh. To be fair, this is a team chasing the game. And they're like, oh, it's all packed in the middle. Let's just go wide. It was abysmal. Argentina, I can't say anything more than this is entirely the Federation's fault. I don't know how this isn't like becoming like a national con- controversy. Their Federation is the most corrupt in the world. I, look, far be it for me to put them against some of the ones in Africa, for example. I'm sure there's something going on over there that we don't have any clue about. But yeah, just to just to put a bow on it, because I, you know, like I said, we could talk for an eternity about Argentina. I just I hadn't really felt bad for Messi before this tournament. It genuinely never really got to that point for me because I was like, oh well, I mean, the guy made the final, you know, a couple times. Like, yeah, yeah, it's too bad that he lost back to back to back finals. But, you know, hey, at least he was in the final. You know, it's, it could be worse. And, yeah, sure, he had to come back and rescue the national team so they would qualify for the World Cup at all. And, yeah, they weren't really great at the World Cup either. But, you know, whatever. Like, to me, it was like, yeah, it's, it's too bad. You know, it just didn't line up. You had the best player in oh, – okay, one of the best players in the history of the sport um, playing for your team. And at the same time, you just couldn't put anything around him. It happens, I guess. But I feel bad for him now because I, I can't – there's no explaining how bad Argentina is anymore. Like I, I gave up. I lit, I threw my hands up in yeah. the air and I said, I, I during the World Cup last year, you and I had multiple discussions on what could be done to try to fix this. I give up. I've got nothing. No, there's nothing. I mean, with that bow, I'll just add on Go a ahead. little bit of uh, glitter onto it. Yeah, he. So what was it? We can round up World Cup final lost. Copa America final lost. Copa America Centenario final lost. Copa America, uh, not the Copa America, sorry, World Cup loses to the champion in the round of 16 in, and probably was the team that gave them the biggest run for their money in that 3-2 game. So, like, yeah, they almost didn't get out of that group. Yeah, they almost didn't qualify. But they've still kind of been, like, right there. It's like they have continued to trudge through, and now we're seeing the true, like, this is it. If Messi's not killing it, and I mean absolutely killing it, this team does nothing. And he has been on some sort of decline, I think is fair to say. As much as, he, yeah, it's, he scored 35 goals in the league. It's fair to say that he has not dominated these games. But then you see pictures, just like you say, of the midfield. Let's talk about some of those pictures where you see Messi. And, I mean, there's just no one. No one is getting Around open him, for him. Yeah. Nobody has decided. He's picking the ball up from the back line. You got Di Maria basically playing left back because or right back, whichever. Uh, you got him going to pick up the ball all the way over there because, you know, they can't be bothered to, like, give him the ball. Oh. And, like, you bring in these guys. Okay, now Giovanni Lo Celso is a part of the team. Rodrigo De Paul. How are these guys who've seen all, how all this has gone down still not like, oh, yeah, we need to be, like, we need to support this dude? I've felt bad for him since that Copa America Centenario penalty miss, which, to be fair, that was more on him missing <laughs> right. the penalty. But since then, I'm like, you know what? I want, I want this guy to succeed. That poor Can't man. Can imagine Messi is going to retire? And now, to me, I've, I've accepted it. Messi is going to retire without an international trophy to his name. Having made that many yes. finals. And being as good as he is. And it's not like he plays for, like, this. he doesn't play for Venezuela. He doesn't play for Guyana, right? Like, like this guy, it's not like a case where, like, 
he plays for arguably the tied for the best federation in South yes. America, which is one of the better confederations historically, in the not world. Ju- and not just historically recently. Think of all the great Argentine players you can name in the last 15 years that Messi's played with. Javier Zanetti, Esteban Cambiaso, Walter Mascherano Samuel. Mascherano in his day. Diego Melito. I'm just naming Andrew Mullen players. I'm sorry. <laughs> Mauro Icardi. Oh, Mauro Icardi. Well, <laughs> Lautaro did, Martinez. Did he really ever play with Mauro, though? <laughs> okay. And like a okay, couple of friends. Right. We're, we're, we need to move on. I, I do, just to get back to the quality thing, I'm sure it'll pick up, and I, I look forward to it. Uh, Women's World Cup. Far more entertaining, by the way, than these two tournaments have been. If you got a chance to watch Norway versus Australia, that, that was, was That was else. so much fun to watch yesterday. And this is what happens when the knockout stage happens. The teams they get through are the better half of the teams. So it's all better half of the teams playing each other, and they're all playing with something heck on the line. Heck of a line. game coming up. In the group stage, it's... By the way, France and Brazil, 44 minutes according to that countdown. Heck of a call. game <laughs> coming up at 3 yes. o'clock. Uh, by the time this episode goes live, it may have already started. Uh, get, just judging by how long we end up taking. Women's World Cup, definitely give that a watch. Uh, and this has been for, by far the strongest Women's World Cup ever. I mean, we're, we're seeing teams investing in their women's teams, and it's really paying off. Yeah. Uh, no longer is this a two-team two team tournament. It's always Japan-U.S., Japan-U.S., England, France, maybe not Brazil as much, but even Brazil, what? all these teams. I mean, Australia at a certain point. Marta, Norway, Italy. Netherlands. Italy, good too. Uh, Italy, Italy playing hard-nosed defending like, the, <laughs> like their men's team uh, has. Marta, the, the, the real shame, Marta. Being so so being well past her prime at this point, still contributing, very good player. Now the leading goal scorer in all World Cups, uh, so big time for her. But more importantly, you know, it's a shame that Brazil didn't get better at the sport while she she was still in her prime because Prime Marta could have really done some damage against the U.S. teams of of yesteryear with some support yes, around. That her. would have been something to see. And some more support. And now we're starting to see that. So that's been a, a real blast. That has been a real blast. Uh, the U21. Yeah. That under-21 European Championship, which if you didn't know what was happening, I don't blame you. I honestly didn't know what was happening this summer until the day of the tournament started. I was like, oh, all right. And admittedly, I wish that there were more people at the stadiums. The crowds in Italy have not been <laughs> kind. It tends, to, it tends to happen in the, the True, EU True, yeah. You don't really get, like, the even at the under-20 World Cup, it wasn't, like... You didn't have packed yeah, houses. Yeah, that just tends to happen. It's just hard. But I, I, if you haven't seen any games, the group stage is close to wrapping up. It's a pretty cutthroat tournament. There's three groups of four. Only four teams advance to the next round, which means that there's actually a second-place team that doesn't go to the next round, which is incredible to me. There are two second-place teams that don't go to the next round. Oh, yeah. Good point. Math. So if you, you basically have to finish first. Three teams, and then one, the next, the best runner-up makes yes. it. Right now, Italy is that team with six points plus three goal difference. But uh, Denmark and, Austri- and Austria are on three. If they win and go with higher than three goal difference, they will jump over Italy. And France right now is on six with a plus two goal difference. They play Romania, who's first in the group. Winner goes through. Loser probably goes out. If they draw, they both go through. That is, by the way, for me, the craziest format. You can't finish second. That that's you have to it's be the wild. best. Uh, you I kind of like it now. Admittedly, I can't see it ever happening in like any kind of like bigger tournament. But like, there's only twelve teams here, so it really is the cream of the crop, so to speak. Yeah, it, you know, teams ten through twelve probably aren't great, but they're still very competitive. 
Yeah, I mean, even even the worst teams are still incredibly strong. I mean, Belgium, Heck, for Romania example, just is kind England. of bottom of the barrel. Romania has been phenomenal I recently. I can't wait. Uh, apparently, can't wait for Romania to return I to power. I can't wait. Well, they had that uh, showing at the Euro four years ago that was pretty solid. Yeah, so they I think they put up a new academy relatively recently when it's starting to pay off. So this is, if you have a chance, that has been entertaining. I mean, and listen, this is not like, who are these guys? <laughs> yeah. Just... England's not England's out. Look at that lineup, and they're almost all Premier League and players. And you probably, without the injuries, well, I, mean, I don't know. I, I shouldn't say that because I don't know if they would have sent them since they're now senior team players. But Callum Hudson Odoi and Ruben Loftus Cheek, both injured, could argue may have been on that squad, so it could have been even better. Probably would have been Angus Gunn starting for Southampton in goal, uh, Ryan Sessegnon from Fulham, John Joe Kenny from Everton, Aaron Juan Bissaka, the legend <laughs> from uh, Crystal Palace, potentially going to United, Phil, Phil Foden. Foden. Uh, of of City, absolutely talented, absolute stud. Hazma Chaduri of uh, Leicester, Harvey Barnes of Hikayo Leicester, Tomori. Mason Mount of Chelsea. Uh, I, listen, I'm halfway through the lineup. Calvert Lewin, Damari Gray, Salter. James Madison, Morgan Gibbs White, Dominic Solanke, Tommy Tammy Solanke. Abraham. Yeah, t- yeah, yeah. Tammy Abraham. It's it, again a, a wealth of riches, and yet England not in position to advance. Crazy. So if if. I, we just want England as an example because that's you people know, will know who those very people often, are. The, one of the more you're more likely to know. But the same thing in Italy, same thing in Spain. I mean, for me, the player of the tournament so far has been Danny. Ceballos. Oh, Danny Ceballos has been incredible to watch. So, so oh I just oh my god! So if you haven't watched the games, you're probably sitting there thinking, "Oh man, I missed out." Just go watch. Honestly, even that, just the highlights are pretty good because there have been some yeah. bangers scored in this tournament. You need to see them. And I can guarantee you, Romania France is going to be a fun oh. one. Uh, so, I mean, round out the other competitions, Eric. We've got the uh, U-20 World Cup. Ah. Yeah, the under-20 World Cup had kind of an interesting ending. Like, uh, <laughs> Ukraine versus South Korea is a final. Nobody picked. Nobody would have picked. Ukraine did beat the United States in the group. They're basically playing nine men behind the ball at every time, at every time there was play. Even when they had the ball. Uh, but they ended up winning it. That was interesting. I watched... Uh, I think it was Senegal, South Korea penalties. Most obscure thing ever. Two, and this is the thing is it's less watched of a tournament. But two different keepers had a save called back for being going off their line early, which is now of course oh, a massive man. point. Oh How could you, we're fifty five minutes into this thing and we haven't brought that up? I just I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole on that. But everyone comes off their line early. Why has this suddenly become a point of enforcement? I just want to point out two things for people who maybe are a little bit unaware. They changed the IFAB rules, enacted June 1st, that goalkeepers, and actually actually an easier rule for them. Usually you had had to have two feet on the line when the ball was kicked. They changed it so you only needed one foot on the line when the ball was kicked. So you could be actively moving forward and ahead of the line with your other foot. But that rule change was then used as a catalyst to be more proactive in the VAR rulings during penalties. So now VAR has gone back and seen, oh, you were half an inch off your line when it was kicked, retake. It's not exactly like, a, oh, was it a foul, wasn't it a foul, subjective. It's were you on, were you not. Much more black and white. But it, if you watched the Scotland-Argentina Women's World Cup game. Oh, my God. I tweeted out a picture from oh, that, yeah, you, the goalkeepers. You got some attention for that. <laughs> I got some attention and boy did that feel good that was a rush of dopamine the goalkeeper's heel was above the line but her foot was not touching the line 
She saved a penalty in the last in the uh, stoppage time. They sent it back. The uh, Argentinian player scored, and it knocked Scotland out. They would be in the next round. That's unbelievable. I stuff. hate it. I, I I know it's the rule, and I get that that's you know rules are rules. But like to me, it's always why can't why can't it just stay the way it was? I now I understand if you if you've never played or if you if you're like casual you you might wonder what the point like is of enforcing such a thing. You need to understand that like the goalie moving forward is admittedly kind of the only advantage the goalie has. In a, you're supposed to. I don't know what the statistic is like. It's like it's eighty percent across the you're board, supposed or it's to like score. 60, 70 across you're the board. You're supposed to score a penalty when you have one. The goalkeeper is at a massive disadvantage. So you know that. Listen, you have an eight by twenty-four goal to shoot at, and there's a six-foot-tall goalkeeper in the goal. So the goalie. Most of you, the. And again, if you never there. like, if it's never like dawned on you what that does, like moving forward, it, it does close the angle a little bit because you have now a little less space to hit into. In the sense that if you don't kick it right, the goalie has now sort of made made himself like available to get more space, less space out in front of you when you take the PK. If that makes sense. And so sometimes it is way too obvious, and that's when it's it's very rarely called, almost never. But if it is, it's when the goalie is like obnoxiously jumping off his line. I mean, listen, I've seen t- I've been in games where goalies I've seen games where goalies are making the save and they're out by the six. The penalty spot's 12 yards away. They're halfway to the shooter at that point. So that closes down the angle. Um, generally, you're taught to kind of take a hop forward, step forward at 45 degrees towards where you're diving, and then dive at that angle. So that by the time you make the save, you are significantly off the line. There's ways to do that without coming off the line. We're going to avoid going down the rabbit yeah, hole. That, we've done uh, enough. Like, that to me is... They've... Yeah. The... The other thing I do want to point out is there was a double whammy rule that they've decided to change for shootouts that not only do they call back the penalty and is it retaken, but the goalkeeper gets a yellow card. Now, in shootouts, oh, the goalkeeper... The- oh, I missed that part of it. That's important, actually, because yesterday it happened in Guyana versus Panama. And yeah, so the goalkeeper still gets a yellow if it's a penalty oh, okay. during All the right. run of play. Oh, okay. That's- Interesting. Good to know because everyone's saying, oh, what happens in a shootout? Goalkeeper's going to call off his line twice and get sent <laughs> off. Goalie getting sent off in a shootout, man. I tell you what, that's something I, I want to live to see. I've, one of the few things in soccer that I can like purely imagine that I don't think I've ever seen happen. It's a goalie being sent off in a shootout. That would be, be bad for the sport. That's it's, all it would be. It's it would bad be for the sport now. Like you're just to draw the American football comparison. Like it's it was that time where the catch was like this ambiguous thing that no one really knew. It's still no one really knows, but. Like it's it, there was a point where it was like, well, no, the ball kind of moved like a millimeter, so no, no catch. Like that's the that's where we've gotten to at this point. Uh, yeah, so it's like it is black and white. Are you? Are you not? But it's also like of the shootout of the penalties I've seen since then. These big calls, goalies don't move; they just fall to the side. They're like, you know what? Maybe they'll miss it. <laughs> There's no way I'm because the front the was it Ren, Wendy Renard for France missed her penalty. But the goalie came off her line and she got to retake it and score. Yeah, that to me is also absurd, by the way. If you miss the penalty, you miss the penalty. So, and we're going down the rabbit hole now. So I'm going to pull us back out the last. from the scruff of our neck. Uh, and last international competition, African Cup of Nations, which we've touched so on just gonna a little blast. bit. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be a blast, people. There's some interesting stuff going on. Uh, Senegal, Egypt, probably the two favorites. Egypt at home, uh, yeah. I would think that they'll have a massive advantage there. 
full. I, I did the only game I've actually watched, and probably the only match I will watch until like the later stages. There's just no time for this. Uh, I, admittedly, that uh, Egypt versus uh, Zimbabwe match had a pretty cool atmosphere. I I. Uh, I liked that. I like to see that. It's just different. And I recommend if you are someone that likes soccer, I would recommend like every now and again taking a, taking the chance to like watch something like that because the style of play is so different. The atmosphere is different. The players you've never heard of, like it makes for a really different viewing experience that you just don't really get anywhere else. Because when the African teams go to the World Cup, like they still play against teams you've heard of or like they, they play kind of – admittedly, they do kind of tend to – change their style a little bit because they know they can't get like they can't play that same way they did getting there because it will get them torn to shreds it is one of the most unique atmospheres i think in soccer uh very friendly from my time there when i was in south africa uh maybe a little bit more hostile uh when you have foreign uh countries playing there are, you know, we mentioned a couple teams there's some very strong teams here algeria the powerhouses of uh, madagascar who drew with <laughs> Guinea yesterday. Yeah. Guinea. Um, Alge- anyway, Algeria, Morocco, Ivory Coast, uh, Cameroon, Ghana, Nigeria. It's, it is good, and I do think, I would not be too far off to say, potentially the third best confederation in the world behind Europe and South Ooh, America. So give that a take. watch. Hot take. I'm sorry, Australia. You were close for <laughs> Well, Asia, but because <laughs> in in soccer, don't forget in Asia in uh, soccer, Australia is in Asia. But I think there is still an Oceania. There is an Oceania where like Tahiti qualifies. Well, there's an Oceania, but that's not a New Zealand's uh, thing. We went over the like the paradox of New Zealand. Now, well, not paradox, the conundrum of uh, New Zealand because now New Zealand uh, is in a place where like the, when the expanded format starts, Oceania will get one spot guaranteed in the world cup. Whereas now they don't have a guaranteed spot. They have to win one in the playoff. If you're New Zealand, that's a guaranteed spot in the world cup every four years. The alternative though, is you won't get any better. Unless you lose to Tahiti, Fiji. I, I could, uh, I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of more Tahiti, islands out there. Uh, other one, Papua Guam. New Guinea, uh, Guam. It's a lot it's of Polynesian, not, Micronesian. You know, you know how it is. It's it's American barely a confederation Samoa. at this point. Rugby's a lot yeah. bigger in these parts of the world. Frankly, I'm not sure how Oceania ever got a confederation together. Even with even there with is an Australia. OFC Champions League. We're, I don't know if you knew that. I did, and I do not watch uh, it. Hate to I, say it. I would be lying if I said I didn't see any of it because. Uh, I saw a goal that was scored from like midfield uh, in the final. In, in the, the final. final of the OFC mm. Champions League, and I thought to myself, "Yes, this is the exactly the this, kind of content we need in the this world." This is peak. One soccer. more thing before we go, because I almost forgot about it until now, and we've already gone over the hour mark, so we might as well keep going. You talked about Mexico moving on from the Gold Cup. There is going to be a Copa America next year, and from now on, Copa Americas will take place the same years as the European Championships, a.k.a. not the same year as the Gold Cup. If you've ever wondered why Mexico and the U.S., when they used to go to Copa Americas, never sent A teams to uh, to Copa America when they were very clearly outmatched anyway, let alone with their B and C teams going there, there is a specific reason, and it is because CONCACAF used to mandate that they they send their A teams to to their tournament, which makes sense. Why would you, as a CONCACAF confederation, ever allow your best countries to devalue your own tournament? It makes no sense. So 
that makes you know it makes sense for CONCACAF to do that. However, now that it, the years are changing, they, that obviously will change, and that will no longer need to be a requirement. The U.S. and Mexico both basically decided not to take the invitation of CONMEBOL to join the 2020 Copa America, which is why Qatar is going back, and apparently Australia has been rumored to go back next year as well. Yeah, it's basically the U.S., instead of taking the offer, and Mexico, by the way, both guilty of this, instead of taking the offer to play in this tournament, to have a real chance at like, hey, this is a cool measuring stick for us, let's go, let's see how we measure up. Even if we get knocked out in the group stage, it's still a chance to see how we measure up. No, instead they said, hey, what if we did exactly what you said, except we do it in the U.S. again? Which was a big success in terms of it's money, which is what these confederations care about. Which is what they want. The U.S. wants all the money. And CONMEBOL finally money, put money, their money, foot money. down and said, no, you're not going to get to keep all the money. You want, you want the Copa America. You want the Gold Cup in your country. You want the World Cup in your country. Now you want another. Like, it's unfair. I think it's unreasonable that the U.S. would expect to host this Copa America every four years. What? Ugh. So they don't want to go because of that. Well, they're, they're not going because of that. Let's just call it what it is. Which stinks because we would like to see that, and they did make the semifinals. They I did believe, in the last <laughs> they did before America. getting eviscerated by Messi, by uh, Argentina. But still, that's what you want to see. Right. You want to see them getting the chance to play Argentina at a big stage. So that's a little unfortunate. Um, going down there, I think the U.S. knew. And listen, they need to be more open to going on the road and playing teams. They do, other than these like. Uh, quadriennial trips to Europe that they do like every four years they take a trip to Europe yeah they need to be more open to playing games in Central America playing in South America maybe there's less money because you're not filling up a you know you're not getting 30,000 40,000 people in a stadium where you can it's sell not tickets like we fill the stadiums now anyway no we don't fill them but like you know if there's 70,000 seats in Cleveland yeah, you right. still sold yeah. 20 30,000 for a hundred dollars a piece because you overcharge you can't really do that elsewhere so money, 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 money. Uh, U.S. Eh, I'm not going to go too much further than that. That would have been it's nice. It's a shame to see. for Mexico too, by the way. They're, guilt, they're just as guilty. I don't. I don't want to make it sound like Mexico has done it for any other reason than the same reason, pure greed. Because they, they probably made a deal together. It was. I don't think they were acting individually. I think one of those countries, if given the opportunity, would say okay. Yeah. No. That's just I, I agree with you that it was like a, 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 a group, well, group, I don't know, two, two countries, a group, a pair, a pair thing. They've, they've decided, Mexico knows that there's more money in it for them too if it's hosted in the U.S. There, there's probably more money involved for everyone, frankly, if it's held here in the U.S. But the reality is that's not fair. That, it's it not is, fair and I, you just, might say it's a South American life, life's not fair or whatever. But like seriously, there's, there's plenty of money in it for the South American countries now. They don't, nobody's dying for this North American revenue, which is what CONCACAF wants everyone to think. It's the same reason why the Libertadores hasn't opened back up for these North American sides, because they want, that's another thing. Like, the, the U.S. is like, oh, what if we brought the final to Miami? And it's like, why do we want to play the final of the South American tournament in Miami? Sure, it would be cool. Yeah, it would be a nice experience for us, but that's not right. <laughs> play one, play like, not even like I don't know. You see, like the Yankees are playing the Red Sox in London. Like if there was play a game, if there was an like equivalent one of game that, abroad. That's, not, that's even that's not like it's not a one to one comparison though. Spain tried to do it, and everyone no, was like, "No, no it's just no, it's not, not the same it. either." Because like England doesn't have a baseball league that's like thriving exactly. and like 
This is the this is a chance for the MLB yeah, to, to spread like, to other places. Everyone, in, I'm sure it's a fine move for everyone in England because they're like, oh, this is something that literally never happens here. If no one played soccer in this country, I might understand it a little bit more. Or if or if You're the right. South, or if the Copa Libertadores yeah. was the only soccer competition in the world, I would understand why everyone else would be like, hey, let's take a final to Madrid, let's take a final to the U.S. Yeah, sure, okay, I would understand it a little bit more than no, but there's like, this is the most played sport in the world. We really need more. I mean, listen. There's other reasons money. Well, tra- the travel for the interest to America, let's point but that out too, would be a nightmare. As it is, uh, there's too much la- There's too much pushback, and I don't see it happening. Let's uh, finish this out with some MLS uh, from the weekend the from yesterday. Ha ha, ha Incorrect, Eric. Once again, the Galaxy beat Cincinnati as as two nothing goals from Emmanuel. <laughs> Galaxy uh, going on. Without Mexican star Uriel Antuna, oh my gosh. <laughs> How will they ever live without him? I can't believe they were able to do that. That was impressive. Chicago tied RSL 1-1. An Alexander Katai dribble over free kick bounced into the goal. And Albert Rusnak penalty, which I'm sure I'll hear from Eric plenty about <laughs> later on. Uh, but they extend a streak unbeaten at Jordi Reyna scored a Dallas. for Vancouver. We're not there yet, Eric. Whitecaps 2, uh, uh, you caught me off. Uh, Colorado 2, uh, Andre Shiniashiki, one of the best names in the league, scored. And Yordi Reyna, as you mentioned. Uh, Rapids continuing to be a thorn in the side under uh, that shiny-headed man, Casey, Connor Casey. Oh, man, I almost put Casey as his first name. Dallas 3, Toronto nothing. We're seeing how... Uh, impotent Toronto can be without Josie, and they did put Pozuel on the bench uh, in this one, I guess, admitting defeat. <laughs> no Bradley, no Josie. No Osorio. Might as well sit Pozuelo. No Osorio, too. Good call. Uh, so, you might as well just sit uh, Pozuelo, too. We'll, we'll take the L. No Ashton Morgan. How can you forget that one? My gosh. Uh, <laughs> no. And last one. <laughs> no Jovinko, yeah. No Jovinko. Man, how far are we going with this one? Uh, last one, Timbers 4, Dynamo no, nil. I think we saw this one coming. The Dynamo missing Albert Elise, Romel Kyoto. No Mara Minotes. They also kind of threw in the threw in the towel. Goals from Diego Valeri, Jeremy Abobasi, Brian Fernandez, Brian Fernandez, and Marvin. Signing of the season so far. I, I can't argue with he that. He has been phenomenal. But we'll see. The Philadelphia Union did sign Andrew Vooten from... Uh, the German second this division. This the their typical, we're going to sign this guy, and then said, nah, no, just kidding. This is the second fire union race for a player. The last one I can remember was Alejandro Bedoya. I don't know how that one turned out. So we'll see. And last up, women do play Spain on Monday. Uh, don't underestimate Spain. I think they try very hard to emulate the Spanish men, but perhaps the skill is just not there yet. Uh, I think the women are the favorites, but that could be an interesting one. Anyway... That's all the time we have this week on the American Soccer Show. Check out some of our past episodes if you have the heart. Until next time, I'm Emmett McConnell alongside Eric Alcantara, signing off.